The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, so we're going to start this second portion with a short meditation. So please take a comfortable posture, something that's alert and relaxed. Close your eyes if you're comfortable with that. And connect first with the feeling in your body, the energy maybe. We may um, notice that speech carries some energy with it. And when we stop and settle, there's moving around still in the body a little bit. And that's fine. We can just let that be there and be mindful of it. And then gently relax the mind and the body. So as you exhale, letting go of any tension that you notice, particularly around the head area, the eyes, the jaw, the throat. listening to the quiet that there is in the absence of speech. You may wish to focus on the sensations of breathing, the gentle flowing of the breath in and out, the shifts in the body as the chest and lungs expand and then relax. And if the mind becomes involved in thinking, remembering, planning, commenting, for now we'll gently bring it back to the body and the breath. Focusing the attention on the physical experience allowing that to be in the foreground, 
And now gently turn your attention toward any thinking that may be happening in the mind. So while continuing to feel the body, allow your attention to include the thoughts, the comments, Imagine that your attention is so large that it can hold all of that that's happening. So staying in the present moment, the body and the breath are always in the present moment. We allow that inner voice, if it's there, if you're not having an inner voice, just stay in the silence. And as we bring mindfulness to this inner speech, we may notice the tone of this speech. The flavor, the emotional tone of it. Is it critical, kind, impatient, encouraging? Just the flavor of how that inner talk feels right now. Noticing that with mindfulness, being with how it is. As you continue to be aware of the tone of your inner speech, you may feel in the body if there's any echo or reflection of that, some tension associated with a harsh voice. tendrils of relaxation through the body with kindness.
No need to deliberately change. This is an exercise in listening, as we just did. Gently experiencing this body, this mind, in this moment. So the inner speech that we don't always listen to so I'll talk a little bit about the other three aspects of speech that Diana introduced but first uh, a quote that I have found relevant in the practice of right speech. It's by Ajahn Lee Damodaro. He said, if you can't control your mouth, there's no way you can hope to control your mind. <laughs> and so this is, um, this is why speech gets its own step on the Eightfold Path. Out of all the aspects of our experience, just speech gets its own, its own one. So, as was mentioned, um, wise speech includes avoiding lies, divisive speech, harsh speech, and idle chatter, one, one aspect of which is gossip. And so I'd like to focus on the latter three of these, divisive, harsh speech, and idle chatter. 
as you can see, these are negative ways of speaking about ourselves and other people. So divisive speech, for example, aims to create ill feelings in someone about someone else. And often it's done in the context of speaking about a third party. But it's even possible to have divisive speech between two people where your purpose is not really to connect with the other person but to push them away in some way and that's to create a division between the two of you. Harsh speech is abusive or unnecessarily critical. It aims to tear someone down or to hurt them or to intimidate them in some way. What's called idle chatter I like that phrase. <laughs> um, it could be gossip, so s- telling information about others that might not be accurate and isn't really relevant. Or it could just be um, useless speech about nothing in particular that kind of fills up the space. And I'll put a little caveat on that one in that there can be times when speaking in this kind of social way is, is fine because your purpose is to connect with someone. You know, you're, you're just talking with someone about the weather because you both happen to be at the laundromat and um, it seems like a nice moment to connect. Uh, so that's, you know, there's a shades as always and the intention is what really matters. So in the guided meditation, we considered our inner speech, um, some of which I think has some of these qualities to it. (laughs) Yes, um, it can. This is very rich area of practice. Um, But for now, I would like to talk a little bit more about external speech that falls into these latter three types, about the quality of our speech, because that's, you know, maybe something that we do a little bit more often in our daily lives. So here's a concrete example. In our modern society, there is a a common realm of unwise speech that um, touches on several of these. I have a word for it, I have a phrase for it, which is um, bonding through mutual outrage. (laughs) I think all of you might have an intuitive sense of what this is. Um, It's where we talk about something for the purpose of explaining why every why something is so awful and we know that it's awful and we would never have done it that way and we're much smarter and so forth and it creates a bond because you say oh i know i hate that also isn't it terrible the way yes it's so terrible the way blah 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 and so um, I, I know about this kind of speech because I used to do it a lot and it was a way that my group of friends um, bonded with each other. And somewhere around the beginning of practice, uh, doing my meditation practice, it occurred to me that this might not be wise <laughs> speech. And so I, um, it was a realm of practice for me to uh, let go of that and explore it and let go of it and find other ways to communicate I do know that when I was doing it, it felt sophisticated, um, you know, because we were explaining why we were so much smarter than everybody else and why we understood things so much better. And if anybody had really analyzed this logically, of course they would see, but they hadn't. So it felt very intelligent and kind of sophisticated, as I said. 
But there was a process to changing that. Um, first, I, I did notice that there was some dukkha associated with it. And this is, this is an aspect of right view, is to be able to tune into how things are. Um, as Nyana said, to be able to see clearly. And so it didn't take that much mindfulness to notice that this kind of speech has some discomfort associated with it. Yeah, on the surface, maybe it feels okay, but underneath it doesn't feel that good. I could feel that in my body, in my heart. And so then that motivated me, like, oh, this, this doesn't really feel quite right. So there's an unpleasantness there. So I brought in the practice of pausing before speaking. This is very important. Um, just to have even as much as one second of pause gives an opportunity for mindfulness to understand, first of all, what those feelings are, how does it feel, what I'm about to say, and then also to consider um, the motivation for what I'm about to say. <laughs> that, so that's right intention, right? Or it's at least looking at intention, mindfulness of intention. So when I did this practice with um, bonding through mutual outrage, I discovered that it wasn't really very sophisticated. <laughs> Actually, it was um, pretty much just using the speech to uh, elevate our own group and put somebody else down. So that's not very noble. <laughs> it's not very noble, and it's not very sophisticated. It's not, um, it's not intelligent at all. So that was humbling, and then it made it easier to be motivated to drop that kind of speech, to not participate in that, to not put energy into that. So I'll repeat those steps because they're actually generally applicable, not just to this particular example. So um, pausing. It's really important to pause if we're practicing right speech, to just have that moment of mindfulness. Um, and it may sound like it's going to be weird in the middle of conversation. Oh, what if I pause? I mean, if you pause for 11 seconds, that's probably a lot. Um, but really a pause of a second or two um, can flow along okay in a conversation. And in fact, if you're in one of those ones that's going really fast back and forth, if you put in a pause, it brings the whole energy down. And the other person, first of all, may not even notice, but they'll appreciate that lowering of the energy, I think. And then there's the process of investigation of some kind. And so I would call it uh, reflection and preflection, if that makes sense. So preflection, of course, is uh, anticipating what, what I'm about to say, why am I about to say it. And then reflection can also be kind of a reflecting on how the conversation has flowed this far and is my comment appropriate for that. You know, am I stepping into... Um, a wise way of interacting as far as how things have already gone. It can be a good time at this point to point out that uh, speech does not necessarily have to be pleasing and kind and, and pleasing and nice to other people. Kind, yes, but kind and nice are always not always the same. So this is what Diana was talking about with timeliness, is that there can be times when what we say is true and beneficial and spoken kindly, but it may or may not be well received by the other person, and that there can be the right time to say things like that. 
Um, we're not in this to be people pleasers necessarily. So there's harmony uh, that can come actually through the honesty of speaking what you know to be true and not participating in some of these harsh kinds of speech or divisive kinds of speech. We can always check if we're speaking from a heart of loving kindness. And then there's a, a further step. Um, if you're feeling comfortable with uh, not putting energy into things that are divisive, harsh, bonding through putting other people down, or just saying nothing in particular, and that's to actively speak in a way that creates concord, creates harmony. So um, it's one thing not, it's actually just fine not to put energy into unwise speech. That in itself is purifying for yourself and for the conversation as a whole. And if you're feeling comfortable, you can step forward and attempt to create concord. We can actively look for ways to connect with people, to support them, or to connect two other people together. So this brings us more to the positive aspects of right speech, which is that it's, of course, true, beneficial, timely, and spoken from a heart of kindness. And in addition, another teacher has said the the same positive aspects in a different way that I like. He said that they were kind speech or right speech is trustworthy, harmonious, comforting, and worth taking to heart. And one who practices this is said to be a lover of concord. So uh, I have an example of this also from um, something that just happened recently. I have had a little bit of a... um, somewhat of a hassle with a person that is um, renting from me. Um, and he's, you know, so he's my tenant. And we've had a little bit of um, miscommunication about the internet connection <laughs> that's in the place there. And so um, it's been fine. It's just, but it's been kind of an educational process. And uh, part of it is that I was a little bit uh, behind the times on kind of what's compatible with what and um, what services uh, can be used in conjunction with each other. And he had a different idea in mind about how he wanted to buy his service and compared to how it was already set up there. So um, a lot of it was just holding... I mean, it could have been an area where we um, got into you know, he said, she said, this kind of thing. But what actually happened was, at least in, in my, from my perspective, is I was able to hold in mind that we both had the same goal, which is that he's able to connect to the Internet, <laughs> right? So when I came from that right intention of having this connection between us, then it was easy for me to um, uh, interact with him in a way that didn't fall into that kind of um, what would have been divisive speech of putting myself on one side and him on another. And we, I'm thinking in particular of a, an email that I received from him just a few days ago where there was sort of one final communication. And he had um, he expressed a little bit of frustration through what he was saying because it had been a little challenging. And um, I heard that there was frustration in what he did. And what I wrote back to him, I didn't respond right away, first of all, that's a nice lesson about email, is you don't have to hit the send button right away. 
you can actually save a message for anywhere from two hours to like a day and the other person probably it's fine, right? You have to respond in some timely way. But I didn't understand right away, I just waited. And um, I found that by connecting with kind of, when I reflected over the whole process, because the problem has actually been solved now, and when I reflected over the whole process, I realized that I was really grateful for the way it has gone in that First of all, I learned a lot about um, current modes of and flavors of internet connection, which I was a little behind the times on. And I also um, had a chance to learn, to discover a new way that um, I could use my email, my uh, internet connection to help him get onto his. I actually didn't know this little back route that I learned from a friend. So that was useful. So I expressed that to him. I said, you know what? I've actually found this to be a really useful process. And I expressed appreciation. I said I appreciated that even though it took about a week without you having an internet connection, I really appreciated that you stayed with the process, which he did. That was true. And so I pointed out something that was helpful. And then I said, um, and I realized that um, it was a little confusing because I could have been on top of this and I wasn't. Um, and so, therefore, I, didn't, I wasn't able to present it to you clearly right at the beginning what all the options were. So I apologize for any confusion that I caused. So I took responsibility for my part. And then I just said, so I'm glad it's all been solved. Thank you very much. And I sent that. And his response to that, his first email was a little inflammatory. I sent this one that had a lot of, in my view, I think, right speech in it. And his response was to was um, completely different tone. It just said, "Thank you very much. I agree." And um, you know, take care. So it's like he completely mirrored my tone. It does. I'm not saying it always goes like that, but this is an example of actively creating concord in a situation where it didn't have to be. Um, simply by what being mindful and not falling into those reactive patterns. So. This, the quality of our speech has a huge impact not only on the interaction itself, but on our inner life. I think we all know this, but the practice of doing it, right, is not always so simple. So that's why I offer the pause, the preflection and the reflection, and the considering of whether or not there's a possibility of actually creating concord. So, thank you. Shen Quan. Okay, so um, now we get to practice that. So we're going to have our second exercise. And um, there'll be, is the question written? Okay, great. Okay. <coughs> so we're actually going to um, have a conversation or exercise around what Kim just um, spoke about. Um, we're going to describe a time when you consciously brought people together in a group or witnessed someone else doing so. And as part of this, uh, we are going to uh, go come back into the body and sense in how we feel as we kind of step into this memory. Go back and forth um, so that we, sorry, we spend some time um, summarizing what the memory was and then describing the feelings as we touch into the feelings of that memory. So again, we'll, each person will speak for five minutes without interruption. It's also a great exercise in, in listening, speaking again. 
and the other two, so those would be groups of three, and the um, other two will listen, and they'll just go around, so it'll take 15 minutes. And I have a question, yes. Oh, right. Oh, so it'll be... So it says here, describe a time when you consciously brought people together in a group. That would be like a facilitating concord rather than divisiveness. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yes. Oh, right. Okay, thank you. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. Or witness someone else doing that. Uh, And I would say, you know, there are times when there's divisiveness present and there's the choice to fuel that or there's a choice to diffuse that and create some concord. So hopefully that's a little clearer. So find groups of three right now. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Let's see if the math works out. Does everybody have a group? Oh, great. You guys can go up with Jim. Perfect. (laughs) That's great. Did you think they started already? Okay, so the first person go ahead and get started. The other two will listen. And I'll ring the bell after like four minutes, so you each will have a turn. Okay? Great. Go ahead. Yeah, you can stay where you are. If you have something that you want to share briefly to the larger group as you were doing this. Yes, please. When, uh, Kim, when you were sharing, I I posed this question with with the three of us. Um, you You said you bonded over outrage. And then you make a choice not to participate. And so where I stum- sometimes struggle is, well, who, who will I be when that's going on? Or, you know, what will I say or not say? You know, do I sit there and say nothing and then not join in? You know, that's awkward. Um, if I say I don't want to participate in this, you know, not that I, I... And I realize, you know, I'm like I don't want to not be liked, but that will certainly you know, rustle some feathers, is that the word? Or, you know, rattle some cages? (laughs) Um, You know, (laughs) I could just picture it. I I don't even have a situation, but I, you know, given human being, human nature, um, so I'm wondering, you know, what's the right speech in that moment, or, you know, that that moment of transition when you decide not to make a choice not to participate. So I don't know if anyone has any thoughts. There are multiple options in a case like that, which is good. <laughs> um, 
I don't even think I could name all of them, but I'll name three of them. Um, one is to remain silent. Um, you know, you just don't have to put energy into that, and something will flow along somehow. I mean, um, another option is to uh, state what you're feeling and say, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable with this, or um, I just would prefer not to comment on that, or, you know, something that um, maybe after people have noticed that you're silent or something, you might not want to sort of interject that, but you could. Depends on the situation, if it's a situation where it would be normal for you to share your feelings like that. Because then you evoke the other people's compassion. You know, they probably aren't intending to make you feel uncomfortable. Um, And so if you say that, then that changes you know, they have to make the decision, am I going to go on knowing that she feels uncomfortable? You know, they may not want to. Um, and then a third option is to do something like create concord more actively. So um, if you're in a situation where what's happening is bonding through tearing people down, it's at least a situation where people are bonding through a common experience. And so why not offer something where you can bond through an appreciation of something? It's the same psychological dynamic, but applied in a wholesome way. And so maybe there's an opening for that in a situation like that. So that's just an option. Or there may be other options of ways to divert the conversation from where it is if you wanted to take an active role. I hope that gives some idea of the range. Do you guys want to add anything? I'll add one thing. This is um, maybe not so different than what Kim said the last one, but I just had this experience yesterday, and so I have been reflecting, like, oh, what should I have done? And um, one of the ideas that I came up with was just to simply change the topic to something else. So Kim had said to create concord, but also just to change the topic to something else that may be interesting but doesn't have the same charge around it. So... So here's something did come to mind is try, try and watch if you have the fix-it mind. Like you want to fix them and make them better. <laughs> People are not going to appreciate that. <laughs> so um, this exercise was developed to see um, how we can work with what's present and see where there's areas where we can move towards concord. doesn't mean it's going to look all nice and pretty and stuff. You know, it still may be a dis- disgruntled um, um, topic, but at least the movement is towards concord rather than more divisiveness. I thought that was a good distinction to make. We're not here to smooth things over and make it all nice and pretty for everyone, Um, but we're taking a kind of a deeper look at um, what can actually be much more helpful than what we're doing now. (laughs) Okay. So I don't want to take too much more of your time. It's already 2.30. There's one more, and I want to thank you all for your participation, and I hope you enjoyed the exercises. Um, I think we certainly did. There's one component of the program that we haven't mentioned yet, and I've heard some questions about, and that is this idea of having a Dharma buddy that is working with somebody um, uh, you know, that's part of the group, that uh, you may connect with on some level, and deciding um, how often you want to meet with them. Maybe it's once a month. 
maybe it's once every other month or something like this, but also meeting as a peer to discuss um, the path factor of the month or how all the path factors are coming together or working more a little bit on one of the exercises that you particularly liked or wanted to spend more time on. So I wanted to give the um, time for you guys to think about that first for a few minutes and then seeing if you connect with anybody here um, go ahead. That'll be something that you guys will do on your own. I'm not going to manage that. You won't come to me to find one. <laughs> it's, it, I've, I tried to figure out how to do it, and it's too complicated. <laughs> so hopefully you guys have established some contact now with each other. It's the third meeting. Um, so not for the not for the mentors. I'm going to leave the mentors out of this because we're already meeting with you once a month for, for everybody else to see if you can connect with somebody and um, work that out. And if you don't find one but you'd like to have a Dharma buddy, start moving towards the front of the room and maybe that way you can connect to each other. Is that, does you guys have anything else to add? Yes. I do. I do know um, one of my uh, one of my mentees could not be here because of a conflict. So, um, is there some opportunity? Uh, would it just be the next meeting, possibly, or for people who could not make it today, but might want that as well um, to connect with someone? Uh, how, how should they go about that? I did ask this question to Gil how to do this. You must be present. That <laughs> makes it the easiest way to do it. <laughs> so yes. So people are going to be listening also online who couldn't attend. So if you would like to have a Dharma buddy, try to come next time because there will be other people. And then um, I'll make the announcement again. So... Okay. Right, so the next group meeting will be December 10th. <laughs> Thank you. It helps if we know. That's Sunday, December 10th from 12.30 to 2.30. I, I, sent, I think I sent out the email to everybody about the remaining. Remain, yes, right. Okay, any other questions? Oh, right, we have handouts that we're going to leave up here too. So if you... Well, want want to pick them up? Feel free. So, um, again, to see if you can m m figure out who you want like to have. December eighth. <laughs> Sorry, December eighth. I think you got an email with the dates. Yes, December eighth. Yes. Okay. And if you are thinking about it, stay there for a minute, and then come come forward if you feel like you want to connect with a buddy. So there would be short meetings, half an hour to an hour, where you would do the very similar things, discuss the path factor, elements of the path factor, how they're impacting your life, and ways that could help you work with it for the rest of the month. Okay? Great. Thank you.